Welcome to the England Rugby Pod. Thanks for downloading episode 132. We're talking coaching commitment, injury updates, a knockout blow, and counting down the weeks to our competition opener. You're listening to the England Rugby Pod, the rugby podcast that believes England will win the World Cup in 2019. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, we are coming to you um, a day earlier than last week. Joe Reed, uh, who's obviously one of our regular listeners, often gets in touch with us, um, was, uh, was good enough to point out on Twitter that we were cutting it a little fine last week, and he's absolutely right. I think we've got our episode out at about 6pm on Sunday, but we did promise you one episode a week, uh, and so today we've, you know, We've found an extra 24 hours. We're, we're slowly moving back towards a, a regular schedule. Um, and today, of course, as always, I'm joined by Mr. Wood. How are you, sir? I'm very good, thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm well. I'm well. It's 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 a funny kind of time uh, with the rugby. There's it, it feels like there's not a lot going on. And then, then you and I kind of sit down before the episodes to talk about what you know, what are we going to discuss. And we always seem to find things that, that didn't feel like were there. Um, hopefully we're not doing too much repetition, but um, we are in a bit of a sort of this, you know, I guess a two, three week period post season pre World Cup warm up where, you know, unless the unless the headlines jump out with with uh, interesting stuff, it does feel a little bit like there's not much to talk about. But um, we've, we seem to have found a few bits. So. Well, we have. It's kind of funny because I think I think a lot of the listeners are similar to us are quite hardcore fans. I mean, from our point of view, we're not necessarily the most knowledgeable of hardcore fans, but we're definitely hardcore fans. And I think our listeners are the same. So stuff that typically won't get huge headlines, perhaps elsewhere, is still like really interesting to us. (laughs) Exactly. And I'm pretty confident that our listeners will find it interesting as well, because especially judging by the messages we get, most of our listeners are pretty... uh, Pretty clued up on their old rugger. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, obviously, last week we obviously read out the um, the message from uh, Andrew Moore, uh, and we we didn't go through it all because obviously he he was talking about his his kind of World Cup squad prediction, and we will, as we said, then come back to that. Um, that'll get its own dedicated episode, not today. Um, but he uh, he he came back again. He replied to us. One of the things we did cover uh, off the back of his his last message was obviously all the the chat about sips and and you know that's one that's going to continue at least until we find out what the squad's going to look like but he says um thanks for the readout last week guys uh, just a few more points on the Cipriani conundrum uh, sips has played behind a Gloucester pack this year and a wasp a wasps pack in previous years that's always given him front football which as everyone knows is a lot easier to play with um and in order to try different plays compare that to George Ford who's had, who's been playing behind the worst pack tigers maybe not the worst pack on paper, but certainly the way they've performed um, for years, nearly always playing on the back foot, but was the player to make things happen um, when he was playing and when they were performing well. I know everyone thinks he's no good good at tackling, but he very rarely misses a tackle. Admittedly, he may give a few yards um, in the process, but never shies away from fronting up, which is what Jones likes. If there was another 10 to go, he says, I would want to see Marcus Smith taken as the experience he would gain this time around would be brilliant for the next World Cup and could learn from, and he could learn from the likes of Farrell and Ford. He also says that last week we mentioned um, if Jack Noll was injured, maybe Cipriani would go. Uh, he says he would take Alex Good uh, instead of him as he feel he'd offer more than Cipriani 
uh, to the camp as a whole. He goes on to say, anyway, thought this might give you some food for thought. As always, keep up the good work. P.S. I hope you will carry on the pod after the World Cup. Oh, cheers, Andrew. Um, so th- let's cover this a bit because this is quite interesting. I He makes really valid points, doesn't he? Because yeah. George George Ford has had a great season. And like I said, behind what has been, quite frankly, a bit toilet of a pack at Leicester. Um, I... His do, his do message I, alone, I his message know. alone, has almost made me rethink whether I would take Cipriani. Not, oh. Well, no, I, whether I would consider Cipriani a, an important member of the twenty-three. Yeah, well, it's, th- th- this is the thing. It's, that's the thing. When, when you read his message and it comes out, you're like, it's hard to argue it. And well done, Andrew. Anyone can win an argument with facts, but you know, <laughs> that's not what we're about. To be facts honest. and knowledge. What's that about? Yeah, yeah. F- f- facts, knowledge, and a great understanding. Yeah, anyone can win that. But um, I think I've still got sips. I just think sips. I just think there's something. Well, I don't think. I, I think everyone knows this. There's something he's got that others don't have, and and that's where I've got sips ahead. Like it, just because. If we do find ourselves in a quarterfinal, in a semi-final, in the shit, and we need something magical, that's my go-to man. I suppose, though, the question is, you know, how, how do we categorise Owen Farrell as a fly half? Because in the past, you know, he was the guy that could make things happen from nothing. You know, he well, was, was he, or was he just the guy who would? I think so. Because I think George Ford was always George Ford was always the sort of the safe pair of hands. You know, he would do a job. Um, and Owen Farrell was the one that would create, you know, have that vision and, and you know, see that kind of long, flat, super flat pass that was going to put someone straight into space and away one of our um, flyers would go and, and we'd score a try or he'd see the, the space for the kick and put it through. You know, and, and I'm not really sure what Cipriani does differently to that. I'm not saying he doesn't do what he does brilliantly well, but this just this message alone has made me go, if you've... If you've got a guy who can control a game on the back foot, which is something that we know, we've seen England time and time again, when that happens, if that happens, they struggle. If you've got a guy that's spent a season proving that he's capable of still controlling a game in that situation, I almost feel like that's something that you need on the bench so that if things don't go to plan, because plan A is obviously that we're going to have front football, you've got that ability to bring him on and steady the ship. And you move yeah. Farrell to you move Farrell outside him, and and you've still got you know you've got you've got the options then. Um, so, so I know this is a complete reversal of what we've been saying recently. Uh, speak for, speak for yourself here, but I do feel a little bit like Cipriani and Farrell are quite similar. I I I again, and you're not, nece- you're not necessarily going to change things up by by. Yeah, I, yeah, I quite like I, what he I, said I, here. Yeah, I, I like what you said, and it does make a lot of sense. Um, and what you just said does make sense because, you know, if you're getting front football and, and everything's fine, and then you're like, actually, we're not getting front football, we're getting back football. Who can we rely on for that? And George Ford has done it this season. Then That's the thing. Do you, yeah. do you want to take a Cipriani and say, look, you've spent the entire season with front football <laughs> doing magical things. We're now on the back foot. We're going to expect you to come in and change things. You know, almost yeah. unproven in that in that sort of scenario. Yeah, I do. And I, if I you've wanna... got the front football, chances are you're not you don't need to bring on a Cipriani to change things up because we know how strong the England backs are with front football. 
I, I think I do. I think I want to back us to be able to get that ball. I, I think Sitz can still produce stuff that the others can't. It, it's a great argument, and it has. And actually, but not not just that. I mean, that certainly played a part in it. Not the message from Andrew certainly played a part in it, but also the way George Ford's played all season. I'm finding it hard to leave him out. I'm what I'm starting to wonder is, depending, and we'll go through this obviously nearer the time. Is there room for the three of them? I mean, there may well be. And as you say, it will be a case of looking through the squad and seeing. I think what we will do when the time comes is we'll put together a squad um, and we'll go through it and decide, you know, who who in this squad is... Who in this squad would we would we be okay with getting rid of? And I think it's going to be a tough a tough call. Yeah. Um, and I feel like given... Given what we've seen of of Eddie's commitment to Danny Cipriani over the last couple of years, I can't see it happening. To be honest, it's uh, yeah, no, no, no. I I agree. I think I think Danny will be in the wider squad. I I think, and I hope it's the case. I think genuinely the training squads and the pre World Cup matches could decide. I don't. I, I, Owen Farrell's going, and rightly so. He is the best ten and should be starting at ten. Um, I think George Ford might be going as well. I think Danny Cipriani might be fighting perhaps with some of the centres. Um, not a Manu, not a Slade, but arguably a Tio or a JJ. Mm, then, do you, mm, this, I, I, I could see potentially them them looking at him as an alternative replacement fullback. Um, because he has played there before, and it's a sort of the sort of position that they might potentially move him into if they needed to, and then he's kind of there to cover if they need something different at fly half. But I just I don't I, with the strength that we've got in the back three, I just don't see that either. And I mean the the I guess what Andrew or he's actually Andy signed it off as well. So the thing that Andy said um, about taking Alex Good, I think we both agree. In fact, I think you said it last week that Alex Good for you is the be the guy that given the option would be the far better certainly cover if not if not starting but that's never going to happen by the sounds of things uh, for fullback um, but Eddie Jones again it's, it's another example of someone that for whatever reason he just doesn't see it or want it or entertain it um, but I do think it'd be hard to say I'm going to take Danny Cipriani as my cover for fullback and leave an Alex Good behind. Yeah, it's this is this is. I know we've had this chat before, but I love this chat, and I, and I don't care that it keeps coming up because it is an interesting one. We've got one Andy who's using well-reasoned arguments, knowledge, and facts to win an argument, and you using my own arguments against me. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm struggling here, but it's so, a good so one. Like you, mate. I know it's it's so weird. It's so weird. I normally stick to stick let's, to the plan. Let's and... let's move away from it slightly because otherwise we're going to sort of delve yeah, into well, the well. team selection stuff, and we and we do want to keep that keep that back for its own its own episode. But yes, yeah, some really interesting thoughts there, uh, Andy. Thanks so much for getting in touch with us again. Um, I, I trust that you've uh, reviewed us on iTunes. If you haven't, please do, uh, and that goes for all of you guys. If you get the opportunity, we'd really appreciate it. It's how we get noticed. So get over to iTunes, rate us, review us, let us know what you think. Of course, you can always get in touch with us as well if you've got questions um, or if you've got opinions on what we're talking about that differ from ours. 
um, or even just to tell us that you agree. Uh, and you can reach us uh, at England Rugby Pod on social media or englandrugbypod at gmail.com if you want to give us a, send us an email. Anyway, moving on. Just before we kind of really get into the rugby, I just want to uh, pivot slightly. Did you? I know you're a big boxing fan. Did you watch the Joshua fight, or did you? Have you seen it since? I've 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 seen, I've seen the extended highlights. Um, wow. Tyson but, Fury, that, Tyson Fury, and you know you kind of take whatever he says with a with a certain amount of salt. Uh, he thinks he's finished. He says he doesn't. He didn't want to be there, um, and he won't come back. And I watched this this kind of little interview with Tyson Fury, and it it didn't seem like a kind of an arrogant. You know, it's usually it's just some arrogant bullshit that he's spouting at this he just said look i've been around boxing my entire life and um you you there's a look in in a boxer's eye and uh, joshua just had this look of he didn't really want to be there it's it's since been said that at the end of the fight when it was called off he almost looked relieved it's it's, it's a tough one we won't spend too long but Bearing in mind, Tyson Fury, king of comeback. And to me, and I've said this a while, I think Tyson Fury is the best heavyweight out there. Um, I The next fight is massively telling. I, I just couldn't see that. I agree with what Tyson Fury said. And actually, straight after, Tyson Fury sent quite a nice tweet out saying, you know, regroup champ, no one. Whereas you'd expect him, like Deontay Wilder did, you'd expect him to like throw the knife in and just be like, ah, gutted, you lost your shit. I always said you were. Um, but... It'll be interesting. The rematch, which I believe is happening November, December time, will be uh, interesting. And Ricky Wilson, if you're listening, you piece of shit, I bought you tickets to Joshua Klitschko. You owe me tickets to the next Joshua fight in England. Just saying. And I believe I bought you ringside. So if you could get me ringside as well, that'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that, it's my personal, but I, I will send this episode to Ricky just so he hears it. Just so he knows. What do you mean you'll send it? Of course he tunes in every week. Of course he does. Of course he does. It's um, not like he works. Is the rematch just before we move away from it? Is the is the rematch? Well, it's must win, right? Where, where does Joshua go if he doesn't? If he fights if, the rematch if, and loses, to if he doesn't win, if he doesn't win, I'm in the uh, I'm in the Fury camp. But he, he's done. I think, yeah. I don't think he'd retire. I think he'd have other fights, but I can't see a way back for him. Do after you think that. Though, after being such a kind of important champ? Uh, I I just think. He'd have to have so many fights and he'd basically have to start from scratch. Yeah, I'm not sure he'd do it. I'm not sure he'd do it. He's, yeah, he's, that's he's got to have a fair, fair amount of cash in his pocket. He's a he's a nice, personable guy, it appears. Um, I, yeah, I think he will. I think he'll, I mean, I think he'll he'll win the rematch and I think he'll get his belts back and I think the, the big fights will be back on. And But um, it will be an I, interesting I, one to watch. I hope so. I think he's a brilliant fighter and I think he's an amazing ambassador for the sport. So I hope so. But we'll have to uh, we'll have to wait and see. Um, I trust cool. I trust that you. Uh, I don't need to ask Fury Schwartz. Uh, Fury Fury will destroy him. Destroy him. He's told him first round. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know if it's first round. Fury doesn't quite have the same knockout punch, but um, certainly not that Wilder has, and not that Joshua does. I I think Fury will stop him in five or six. Fair enough. Well, we'll we'll report back and see how accurate you were. Anyway, back to the rugger bugger down it. Just, uh, just for quickly before we move on. Sorry, and just to show uh, how normal a podcast we are. It's just started raining. My sh- my uh, washing's outside. Can I can I pause for thirty seconds to bring it in? What do we think, guys? I think that's probably a no. <laughs> that's a no. Well, I, I'm just going to quickly run. It's just moving the uh, the washing thing in, but I'll be with you in uh, thirty seconds. <laughs> the counting. Okay. 
28 seconds I had that as? I think we're all just surprised to hear that you do your washing, mate. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, right. So we've, we've, we've covered our boxing for the, for the, for the year. Um, let's move on. So something I wanted to talk about. I noticed uh, I was reading through all the, the latest headlines and um, Brody Vitalik, after this World Cup, is being given two... Well, not, he's not being given two years off. He's going to Japan for two years. He's kind of um, just to move his family somewhere different, I guess, just ease down on the, on the sort of the intensity... Um, I, I've, I think Cashish may play a part, a bit oh. of Johnny Cashington. Yeah, yeah of course. There. And and the plan is that he'll be back in 2021 to prepare for the 2023 World Cup. So my question to you is, is this something that England should be encouraging? A hundred percent. I 100% think it's a good idea. Because it kind of, it, uh, there's two two trains of thought here. So on the one hand, it creates more depth because obviously in the in the meantime, you've got to find people to replace to replace these guys. Um, and they and they get their shot. On the opposite side of that coin, um, is there potentially an issue for the incumbent players, the ones who are covering? In that they kind of almost know in the back of their mind, and, and I appreciate you know that, 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 that there's always the chance that they would usurp the the person that's that's gone off to wherever it might be to, to earn the cash. But in the back of their mind, they're thinking, you know, in the case of Brady Vitalik, the guy who's coming in is thinking. This guy's coming back in two years, and then he's basically just going to kick me out of my position. Uh, no, so I, I disagree with that. And the reason I disagree is looking at a – there was a point where I couldn't imagine somebody taking Jonathan Jones's place. And, I mean, fair enough, that was injury. Now I couldn't see someone moving Henry Slade out of that position um, who got his chance. And also, it's a play. You're not going to be like – Oh damn it! That guy's gone away. I'll get however many England caps, twenty-five grand a game, but I may lose my place. I actually think the person who goes away, it's up to them to win their spot back, mm. which we all know anyway. And I think it will just add that I would love to see the likes of. I, realistically, it probably wouldn't happen, and you maybe don't need it. Like Owen Farrell, I don't think you need it to, but maybe even a who would say maybe even a marrow. Just to see, is it possible for the guys to get better? Yeah, like, great. Maybe a Marrow, maybe someone like a Jack Noel or, or whatever. I'm just let, let's say, right, Let's say that Owen Farrell, uh, you know, he's one of the, he's probably the first name on the team sheet whenever we pick a side, right? Let's say Owen Farrell decides to go off and play, I don't know, wherever it might be, France, Japan, maybe even Super Rugby somewhere, um, for two years. And get the experience of playing, you know, a different a different style of rugby in a different place. And if you're, if you're, I mean, I guess you know, you've got Marcus Smith, so maybe he he's someone who steps up and and gets that experience, that opportunity. But Owen Farrell's the kind of guy that you, you it's it's all well and good saying he's going to have to play himself back in, he's going to have to earn his place back. But he's so good, he's like the Johnny Wilkinson of two thousand and three. Don't you just feel like he's going to walk back into the side? Yeah, I, I think with an Owen Farrell, that's probably the case. But then, what what what's the downfall? But, the, but, to that? but it's the Owen Farrell that is the player that you want to that you want to see this from. It's it's those guys that are almost guaranteed places that you want to say. Do you know what? Go and have a couple of years off. Go and, do, or, or do whatever it is you're going to do. Do you know what? For me, it's not necessarily those guys. For me, it might be someone like a Marcus Smith who want to see like, look, you're probably not going to be getting many starts because Owen Farrell's there. Marcus Smith, you go ahead. You, you, yeah, you, you change your game. You get, you add a bit more to your game, come back. What do you add? So I think one, you can add a lot that way. 
or others say it was an Owen Farrell, Marcus Smith then has that experience. Yeah. And you've got, I think it's a positive. Let's look at James Haskell. Yeah. I, I genuinely believe he was a better player after he went and did uh, like sort of Japan, France, New Zealand. He was for sure. And, and, and do you think it's the sort of thing that someone like a Joe Marler, uh, who obviously felt that it was all just too much, um, like the, you know, the, the sort of the intensity of the camps and everything else would benefit from? Or do you think, because I suppose it's, it's, I mean, I suppose what he's doing is almost similar in theory. He could come back and a couple of years, obviously he's gone about it slightly differently in that he's, he's dropped out just before a world cup rather than just after, um, but maybe what you know, maybe he could have, he should have stuck it, stuck around till after the World Cup. Then said, "I'm having two years of not playing international rugby." Even if he chose to just stay with Quins, I'm well, going to work I... on 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 family and getting my head right, and then and then I'll come back in 2021 and almost it, it be a kind of a planned uh, sort well, of sabbatical. yeah. I, I know what you mean. I like the planned sabbatical. Like Dan Carter did it. Uh, Richie McCaw had some time off, didn't he? I think. Well, I feel um, like if it had been something they'd done with Stefan Armitage back in the day, you know, so, yeah. so that it wasn't this pressure of you, you know, you have to give up the money if you want to play for your country. And instead, it had been go to go to France, have a couple of years, but then come back to us, and it's and it's pre-planned. Because so, so, so that's, that's the key, where... isn't it? It's sort of saying we're letting you go because you've, you're committing to coming back. Yeah, exactly. And that's where I think that's where I think it's it's more a younger player, more an up and coming player yeah. sort of scenario. But rather than or, saying to the player, uh, if you go, if you choose the money and your family and your future over us, that's it for you, which is kind of the way that England approach it at the moment. Whereas in New Zealand, it feels a lot more like them saying that's fine. If you're committed to us, you know, there's a World Cup in 2023. We need you back by 2021 to make that happen. You've got two years. If you want to go and do that, you know, we support you and, and we look forward to you returning. Is that something that would work for you? And then negotiate that with the team. I'll come to you for two years. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I think it's a great idea. And and I think it's, like you say, a Joe Marlow is probably not right because sort of settled with a family, a young family thing. But maybe someone like a Marrow, it is ideal. He wouldn't necessarily have the sort of... It, you know, the intense pressure of constant England camps, constant tours. He can have a couple of years where he can just play his rugby, learn some new stuff, come back, and then he's ready to he's ready to go. Hopefully he's got some new great experience. I think another thing to bear in mind where it's slightly different is I think the Premiership is one of the most, probably the most competitive domestic leagues in the world. Mm. So... Although, yes, they'd gain experience elsewhere and great experience elsewhere. I think the Premiership, you get that good, you do get that good, um, you know, competition, that good experience. But it, I'm it, all for it. it. Yeah. It feels more like a cash thing, doesn't it? But I suppose, but I suppose that's important too, because you know we've we've mentioned it before, and it, and the bottom line is, of, of course, you you should be putting your family and your future first. You know, it's a short career in the grand scheme of things, and. To turn down, you know, what could could amount to to double the salary, you know, an extra an extra two, three, four, five years effectively on your career in terms of, you know, what you're on right now, earning double or triple for the next two or three years, you know, it's it's adding to how long you're earning money for, um, and so you kind of want to say, look, we. As the RFU, as as English rugby, whatever you know, we 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 recognise that you you're going to have to put your families first, 
And so to to try and let you do that without it without it sort of negatively impacting on England and without us changing our rules, this is the this is a solution that would work and it's it's that we would support you in going somewhere else to earn the cash to have that sort of um I guess just you know the the sort of the confidence to be able to say okay I'm 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 doing what's best for my family without turning my back on my country. I, I guess in theory you can unofficially do that now. You could like after the World Cup, someone like uh, Teo, who's not um, who I believe hasn't signed for another club yet, he could go and spend a season or two in France. Yeah, you you could, but it's but it's sort of it's sort of uh, it's sort of frowned upon. It's do you like, reckon though? Well, I think I think unless it's unless it almost becomes like a sort of you know England have supported the decision because because there's an understanding. I think because right now if you leave, you know you're not you're not negotiating. I'm going there for two years and then I'm coming back to be in the World Cup. And there's almost I think there's almost like a, if you leave us now, therefore you're not involved in our next two Six Nations. You're not involved in our next two Autumn International Series and our next two Summer Tours. Then you're turning your back on England. Why should we? entertain I, I, no, no one's saying it but I, I feel like it's I feel like it's far better in New Zealand the way that it's sort of almost not so much encouraged but if that's what the player wants to do it's it's supported in a way I, that I think I England don't do at the moment and maybe that's just simply a, a you know, it's a case of messaging maybe England just needs to show you know show the public maybe they I mean may, they may well be showing the players that choose to do this sort of thing the same thing but I don't know. Just when you look at people like Armitage, um, it, it never felt like England was saying we support your decision and we want to support making sure that it works for us with a World Cup coming up. So this is what we're suggesting. I, I think what was different with Armitage, though, he wasn't really. No one was really looking at him as <clears throat> an England-like player. Like no one was when he went. No one was thinking, "Oh, massive loss to England." It wasn't until he was actually away and he started playing how he did where everyone's like, we want him for England now. So mm. that's slightly different because it wasn't, you, you know, he didn't go away and everyone being like, oh, you're my doing God. That whole, you're doing that whole facts thing that you don't like. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So, like, so on that note, so on that note, we're going to move on. Uh, and actually a good point to move on because we're saying so. One of my points to that is a lot of it would be down to the coach. And I don't think a coach would be like, Fine, he went away for a couple of years, sort of almost mugged off England, but I don't care. I want the best players. So it's been said, Eddie and John Mitchell are now, in theory, are set to continue as England's coaching team until at least summer 2021. Mm -hmm. um, and they said they've taken a change. Their policy has shifted from what was initially Eddie was going to stay there as a succession plan for the new coach. Yep. They're saying that policy has shifted and he's not now, he's not necessarily, that doesn't mean like, I'm sure if he went out group stages, Eddie would struggle to stay. But they're saying he's not necessarily based upon performance at the World Cup. You, is this good or bad? What do you reckon? I think, it's, I think it's absolutely right. Like Bill Sweeney's the new RFU boss, has come in and basically said, um, you know, to put, a, to put a caveat on his contract to tell him that he needs to achieve a minimum of this position is absurd. You know, you, you put your faith in a guy to to coach your na your national side and, you know, you, you have to treat the World Cup like any other uh, kind of England performance. And of course, you know, you're going to kind of analyse and review the competition at the end and decisions will be made off the back of that. 
But you don't want to go out before it even starts and say, we really want you to win the World Cup, but if you don't make the semis, you're out. So um, just to play devil's advocate, is there a level of defeatism as part of this? And by that, I mean, in my mind, um, and I am purely playing devil's advocate here, in my mind, Eddie was brought in with the single task, win the World Cup in 2019. Yeah. Are they now saying, oh, actually, that, that no, don't worry, like, if that doesn't happen? Well, Whereas- I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think, I think you know, that when Eddie was brought in to win the World Cup in 2019, but, and, and whilst the belief exists that, that he can do that, that, well, that England can do that, um, I think it was always, you know, no one ever thought, oh, if we hire Eddie Jones, we will win the World Cup in 2019. It was never that, it was, well, never, apart from I, us, it was yeah. never, it was never that kind of, crystal clear it was like that's what we want you to come and do but you know you hire anybody you want them to come and you know especially if they're you know making money for your company you want them to make lots of money you want you know it doesn't mean it's going to happen but um i think i I think i hear what you're saying like like does does taking away the sort of the the caveats make it look like england is saying oh we accept that it probably won't happen therefore you know we're gonna we're gonna kind of soften the blow a little bit i don't think that's the case i think a new guy's come on board and just gone I'm not happy with having the guy that I'm putting my faith in to take England as far as possible, ideally all the way, to be told if you don't get achieve X, you're out. It doesn't mean that if he doesn't achieve X, he's not out, but it does mean that it's not it's not as simple as that. And I think that's right. Okay. Do you know what I mean? I just yeah. For for me, it it shows more faith, I think, in Eddie Jones to say uh, we trust him to go and do his job. That's why they've extended the contracts. John Mitchell the same. Um, they have said that John Mitchell is not a successor to Eddie Jones. Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. And, and and I don't think John Mitchell should be a successor to Eddie Jones. And I get that. Um, yeah, I, I I do like it. I'm so he here's my. F- Genuine thing on it. If that, if doing that makes Eddie and John Mitchell more relaxed and more focused on the World Cup, great. If it makes them take their foot off the ball a bit, like okay, look, it's Tapping. not quite as desperate now. It's not quite as you, you know imminent that we have to be throwing everything. And they even subconsciously take their foot off the ball a bit. Then I, I know likey. Yeah, but I think you know you're talking about elite, elite professionals um, completely and, and in this case yeah. you're talking about a coach a coaching team that you have faith in to be able to 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 kind of take the national side to the kind of the pinnacle of rugby which is the world cup final and and you know winning it and i think you can't have both like either you believe that they're capable of doing that in which case they're professional enough not to go oh you're telling me that i'm safe until 2021 regardless oh, i'm not bothered anymore in which case they're not professional enough and they're they're not suitable for the job. And I don't think that's how they view them. So I, I don't think it's going to make a difference to Eddie. I don't think Eddie's going to suddenly go, oh, phew, I'm safe. I'm going to I'm gonna relax and take my foot off the gas a bit. But I do think it's just one less thing for him to have in the back of his mind. Um, because, and, and it enables him to just focus on what he needs to do and what the team needs to do and what they're going to do as a group. Um, so I, I, yeah, I think it's a positive. Uh, it's clearly something that different opinions are, are going to form around it you know England in particular love to to sort of love to hate Eddie Jones when things are not going well love to love him when they are going well um 
So guys, get in touch. Let us know what you think. Do you think it's a positive that he's that they've removed the caveats, or do you think that you would prefer to have him slightly more micromanaged in that respect? So yeah, no. I in, in which case, bring it on, brigadier, bring it on. Um, cool, cool. So with, with that in mind, another thing we wanted to touch base on, which um. I, everyone knew it's the worst kept secret in rugby, but obviously Warren Gatland has been named as the next Lions coach and has categorically uh, ruled himself out of the England job. Yeah, why did uh, I why did I let your conspiracy theories detract from my original thoughts on this? I said Warren Gatland won't take the England job. He wants the All Blacks job. Um, and of course, what he said is that he wants to coach Super Rugby, which is just code for the All Blacks because he doesn't know if he'll be offered the job yet. Um, yeah. yeah, and you and you with your with your fake news convinced me that there was even the slightest chance that he might come to England and we spent about three episodes talking about it. So shame so, on shame on you, Dan. So so basically what I'm hearing is you agree with me after he does the Lions he's going to be the England coach. I, I think you need to adjust your volume. <laughs> okay, maybe I'm mishearing you differently, but uh yeah, it was it's an interesting one. Ruling himself out of the England job so categorically surprised me. Like, I was half expecting him to say, like, the England job's not even in my thinking at the moment. All I'm thinking about is the Lions. But him, for him to say, I won't be, I 100% won't be the England manager, didn't surprise me that he went that, um, well, just, just that full on with it. It's like, all right, Warren, screw you, you prick. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Eddie has mugged him off recently when uh, when when he ruled himself out of the Lions job, of course, because he said it was an ambassador job and he didn't want to spend eight weeks in a blazer. And of course, Warren Gatlin has responded to that by saying, "I don't know what he's talking about. You know, it's it's one of the toughest jobs you can do in rugby." And so it's two totally different opinions on what the Lions job is all about. And to be fair, Warren Gatlin is about to do it for well, not about to, but in twenty twenty one, he's going to do it for the third time. Um. And Third time as head coach. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was there in 2009 as an assistant coach. And, as and well. Eddie's never done it. Yeah. So, you know, but Eddie has basically mugged off the job and Warren yeah. Gatlin at the same time. And maybe Gatlin's thinking, uh, that, you know, maybe he's too proud as well. Maybe he's like, I'm not, I'm not going to risk taking a job where I have to answer to Eddie Jones for, for a kind of, I don't know that they've changed the rules now, but I, yeah, I don't know. And also, of course, now Eddie's committed until 2021 as well. Maybe I don't know. Maybe he just thinks time to move on. He has been in the Northern Hemisphere, Warren Gatlin, for 30 years, and he's from New Zealand. So I totally understand. Like, if he wants to just, he's just saying, "Look, I'm getting old, and actually, I want to get back to my homeland." I, 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 I yeah, exactly. And I kind of get what Eddie's doing as well. It's like in a bar, if you chat up like a, a hot woman, and then when they, how on or, earth? Or speaking how on, for myself, how on earth would you know this? <laughs> So, well, you've never you've never chatted up a hot woman. Well, I chat them up and then they reject you and it's like, yeah, whatever, I don't want to be with hot women anyway. It's, it's just it's just walking around with hot women. I'd, I'd much rather just be with a, a dog, yeah. It's a, it's a lot better. That's what um, I really hope my missus isn't listening to this, who, who of course, you are very beautiful. Um, but it's, um, yeah, Ed, Eddie's, played my, Eddie's messing about there, as Eddie does. Warren... I think Warren's not messing about. I think he's saying England, no, no. England, what? England, no, no. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, no. Well, he well, he's ruled himself out, and um, yeah, I'm okay with that. I get, I get his reasons. I, I, you know, he wants the All Blacks job. 
he's he I think I think Warren Gatland secretly doesn't see England as a step up from Wales. And I think he'll be, you know, he'll be kicking himself when England win the World Cup in uh, three Yeah, months. yeah. I had um, um, Will Greenwood's uh, podcast, I did an interview with Warren Gatland, which is actually really interesting. It's, it's about lions and it's really interesting. And he was chatting to Will Greenwood. Saying is that the about, podcast where they always sit in a coffee shop and you spend the entire episode listening to coffee being ground in the background? Or have they, have they nah, stepped nah, it up nah, a bit nah, now nah. and they've got a studio and everything? It's a different one. Yeah, it's Sky Sports. It's a studio one. Um, and Will Greenwood's chatting to him and Warren says, like, when England won the World Cup in 2003, like... Were you all parading around with it? And Will Greenwood's like, no, Jason Leonard just took it, went and sat in first class while we were all in business class and just sat there with the World Cup all by himself. And Warren's like, yeah, I'm trying to figure out when we win the World Cup with Wales, how we're going <clears> to <throat> hand that about. I'm like, Warren, easy, fella, easy. <laughs> Behave. Yeah, yeah, you've never beaten the All Blacks. Uh, they, well, they have, but not recently. Yeah, in, in, the, in the professional era. Yes, yeah. Um, interesting. Um, okay, <clears throat> moving on to two quite important factors. We briefly mentioned one of them last week, but um, injuries. Jack Knoll, um, his in- injury is obviously a concern for England. Um, I haven't found anything to suggest that there's any comprehensive kind of uh, what's the word? What is it that doctors do? Diagnosis. Yet, uh, have you have you read anything to suggest how I, close I, they I are to knowing? I haven't seen anything different on that. So I'm I'm obviously working along the assumption that it is still um, that is still as it was, and the chances are that um, it's going to be uh, same time frame and. I think Jack Noel will be back for World Cup. I really hope so, because I think he's a massive part of that World Cup squad. He, he kind of reminds me of a um, almost a Josh Lucy circa 2003. Like, it, it just... Jo- Josh Lucy just added so much that he wasn't necessarily the sort of Jason Robinson star get-over-headline player, but just his workload, his power, his just certain parts of the game where he can impact. And Jack Noll reminds me to an extent a bit like that. So I think Jack Noll is a massive person. The fact we haven't heard anything actually makes me a bit more relaxed. I think I think if we'd heard, if he was going to be longer and there was a threat, I think we definitely would have heard. Whereas if it's quicker, it might be like, oh, it might be quicker, it might not. That's not necessarily huge news. But I mean, Worst I'm, case scenario, if, if he is unavailable, uh, there is a certain irony in the fact that uh, his injury resulted from a collision with Lazowski, Lazowski, um, who, who could potentially, could conceivably be named in the squad in place of Jack Noll. You know, he's, he's one of the guys that if Jack Noll was was taken off the list, potentially could could be added to it. It's unlikely because I think you'd probably look at a, you know, a Cock and a Seager, or a, you know, and if he's not already there, and you know, another winger, but. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. And yeah, I, I'm like you. I mean, I think we need Jack Noll fit for the World Cup. Um, and obviously, yeah, we just need to send him positive recovery vibes in the hope that um, that he makes it back. But um, another one, of course, is Mako. Hamstring yeah. surgery, three months minimum rehab, they've said. Uh, I, 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 again, I've not read anything to say that we know where he is along along this road, but I'm assuming that he has had this surgery and that he's now in recovery. 
Well, a, a few weeks back, I remember a thing saying he was going into surgery pretty yeah. much within a few days. So I assume that's happened. Because and I assume it started the recovery process. My my worry with Mako is the first few weeks, the first, I, I, I don't know, I'm not a doctor. Maybe we could get pod doctor to help us with this. But um, I assume the first few weeks he'll be off his feet. Mako, for the love of God. Please keep those KFCs just just down to a reasonable level, okay? Don't don't come back and then have on top of a three months thing uh, free stone to lose as well because he is also hugely vital. And Mako see what is you've done there. hugely vital. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's unintentional, but I like it. Um, so yeah, Mako again. The fact we haven't heard, I think it'll be the same. I think his recovery will be going. What I hope is we don't push him because with Mako, I don't think we need to push him. And I don't think we need to test him early doors. I think if he's going to be fit, take him to the World Cup. And if that means he has to play all the warm-up games to get match fit for the knockouts, so be it. But I hope we don't rush him back, like be like, oh, he's okay, give him a game. And then he does his hammy again. Uh, because... Again, I think Mako's huge, especially with uh, Joe Marler out. I think Mako... Yeah, I mean, Marler has, uh, as I understand it, said, of course, if um, you know, if if England need me, you know, I'm not going to turn it down. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's hope so. But he, but he obviously went on to say that you know, but there's a lot of great players out there who are who are making themselves available to England, so he doesn't feel that it's likely that that, that will come about. But. Um, but yeah, it's good to know that he that he's not turned his back completely. Um, I mean, best case scenario with Mako, he's going to miss the first two warm up games, um, which is Wales, both home and away. Uh, he would then, best case scenario, be available for Ireland on the twenty fourth of August and Italy on the sixth of September. England fly to Japan on the eighth of September. They play their opener against Tonga on the twenty second of December. Sorry, the twenty second of September. Um, that's fourteen weeks. Tomorrow is our opening game in the World Cup. Uh, so yes, yeah, so the fourteen weeks. So bearing in mind, he's probably had a few weeks already. Um, More importantly, it's fourteen weeks tomorrow. We can play our opening game in the World Cup. Yeah, that's it. That, that's good. That mate, that that'll go quickly. That'll go very quickly. And um, <coughs> Luce, <coughs> sorry, just uh, just choking there. And Luce, who you, who you know fairly well because she's your wife, um, she messaged the other day, didn't she, in our group WhatsApp, saying about the English shirts actually come out in July. They do, yeah. We, we, so Twickenham told me end of August, but she, I don't know where she got that information from, but apparently uh, they actually come out on the 1st first of July or the beginning of July, so I will where be... Did uh, she, why Why has she got more information than us? I don't know, mate. She's, she's clearly found a source. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Liz. We will, uh, we, uh, yeah, well, I'm going to be getting my shirt early doors. Need to have it specially made, make sure it's big enough. Oh, pick, make pick, sure it's pick, big enough. You're not exactly long. Pick you up, aren't I? Pick you up. Pick you up a small one. <laughs> Just you know, extra like, like, extra padding in the shoulders. <laughs> well, mate, you know, you know, I like like, like to look good. Um, but yeah, so yeah, World Cup shirts, which are probably not necessarily what people are tuning in for, but. Yeah, we're not selling them, by the way. This is not a this is not a plug. We're not getting paid for promoting them. Well, we're not yet. But, no. You know, it's Although, if, if yeah, since the RFU are obviously listening, um, do get in touch and, uh, and let us know how we can. Anyway, um, uh, that, that to, to me, that's kind of 
covers what's been going on recently. Um, yeah, there's obviously a few other stories out there, and 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 I think you know you've you've done a bit of you've had a look at the the under twenties just to see what they're up to um, in the World Cup. Yes. So, so, so I think we'll quickly, we won't go through. So a few things. Unfortunately, England haven't made the semis. The semis are Argentina, Australia and South Africa, France. Should so their New coach Zealand. get sacked? Uh, no, 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 no. Because the under-20s were so close this year. Like, And I don't know because you and I talk, chat about this a lot. Just because an under-20 team win the World Cup, that doesn't mean like, oh, we've now got a great next generation because it just doesn't materialise. But... One thing I really liked about the under-20s is how close it is. Like, England beat Italy by one point. We beat Australia but lost to Ireland. Australia beat Ireland. Georgia beat Scotland. Uh, South Africa beat New Zealand. Like, it's it's actually really close. Mm. And to me, that's good. We, we want world rugby. We want these nations, the likes of the Georgia and things, coming through. And Georgia have... Georgia look like they've got a pretty useful team. Like I say, you, you know, they so beat Scotland. For them, it's much more of a feeder um, into the senior, yeah. the senior sort of setup, isn't it? Um, so yeah, that's great for for world rugby. Um, I think as well, one of the things for England, and I think one of the things where we need to give them a bit of credit is that actually, unlike in past years, there's there's quite a lot of guys. You know, and Marcus Smith is a prime example who should be out there, should be playing with these guys. But the fact is, he's good enough not to be. He's good enough to be making himself available, albeit you know a long shot. He's good enough to already be making himself available for the senior team. And bottom line is the the under 20s is about finding out if any of them are going to be the next sort of superstars in the senior the senior setup. Um, so it it is a positive that, as you say, it can be that close. You know, a slight a slight change, a, a, a pass, a split second earlier, and you know we could see we could have seen England in a very different position. Yeah. Um, even without someone as as kind of crucial as a Marcus Smith, and so obviously seeing him against the Barbars, and I know that's a different. Um, you're playing a totally different side there. Uh, he was so instrumental in controlling the game. I I can only imagine that uh, the under twenties have have missed him in this World Cup. Yeah, I definitely miss him. Like, like he he's a good player, but to me, he is not an under twenties player anymore. To me, he is a senior player. Yeah, senior player at that pedigree, and the way he played for the Barbars, and the way he's played for Queens does does show that he is that pedigree. So yeah, shame that they're out, but um, but yeah, just keep keep doing your thing, and and hopefully the game will continue to evolve. That's what we all want to see. Yeah. So, so um, I think that's probably it, isn't it? It is uh, for this week. The only thing I want to actually add to this, and this is moving away from England rugby, but there was a Welsh youngster called Harrison Walsh um, who had a horrific injury um, a few years back. I think it was like 2015 where his knee, like his knee just got absolutely nuked and basically he became uh, sort of slightly paralyzed in his foot and his leg and not able to play rugby again. But he is now, there's an article about how he's going for uh, the Paralympics in Tokyo. He's already set a, I believe it's a world record in his shot put for the Paralympics. And just say, good for you, mate. All the best. Um, you know, you, you may be Welsh, but you're still part of a rugby brotherhood. And just to see that sort of mentality, I, th- I think sums up rugby amazingly. And uh, yeah, all the best, mate. Very well said, sir. Um, guys, 
Thank you once again for tuning in and, uh, and listening to what we have to say. Um, we assure you it's going to get more and more interesting as these weeks progress. As I said, only 14 left until uh, England's opener um, in the tournament. And um, yeah, if you've got questions for us, uh, if you have any feedback on the things that we've been talking about, um, or if you simply want to just get in touch and introduce yourselves, we're at England Rugby Pod on social media, englandrugbypod at gmail.com uh, if you want to chuck us over an email. And if you get the opportunity, as I said at the beginning, it's how we get noticed. We want to try and get as many of you listening uh, by the time the World Cup kicks off as possible. Get over to iTunes, rate us, review us, let us know what you think. Um, that is how, uh, that's, how we, that's how we find more of you to tune in and hear what we have to say. And I know, you know some people will like it, some people will hate it, but... You know, you guys who tune in regularly, hopefully that means you do like what you're listening to and uh, and we really appreciate the support that you give us. So uh, please keep it up and um, we will catch you guys next week. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, we genuinely 100% do appreciate the support and uh, yeah, catch you soon, guys. Hold up. 